Chapter forty two of Bunyipland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rose. Bunyipland by George Manville Fenn. Chapter forty two. How I must wind up the story. It was the beginning of a better time. For from that day, what was like the dawn of a return of his mental powers brightened and strengthened into the full sunshine of reason. And by the time we had been waiting at Tihi's village for the coming of the captain with his schooner, we had heard the whole of my father's adventures from his own lips, and how he had been struck down from behind by one of the blacks while collecting. And kept a prisoner ever since. I need not tell you of his words to me, his thanks to the doctor, and his intense longing for the coming of the schooner, which seemed to be an age before it came in sight. We made Tihi and his companions happy by our supply of presents, for we wanted to take nothing back. And at last, one bright morning, we sailed from the glorious continent-like island, with two strong middle-aged men on board, both of whom were returning to a civilized land, with the traces of their captivity in their hair and beards, which were white as snow. Neither shall I tell you of the safe voyage home and of the meeting there. Joy had come at last, where sorrow had sojourned so long. And I was happy in my task that I had fulfilled. I will tell you, though, what the captain said in his hearty way over and over again. To me, it used to be, "Well, you have growed. Why, if you had stopped another year, you'd have been quite a man." I say, though, I never thought you'd have done it. Pon my word. Similar words these to those often uttered by poor, prejudiced, obstinate old nurse. To Jack Penny, the captain was always saying, "I say, young'un, how you've growed too! Not upwards, but beamways. Why, hang me if I don't think you'll make a fine man yet." And so he did, a great, strong, six-foot fellow with a voice like a trombone. Jack Penny is a sheep farmer on his own account now, and after a visit to England with my staunch friend the doctor, where I gained some education, and used to do a great deal of business for my father, who was one of the greatest collectors in the South, I returned home, and went to stay a week with Jack Penny. I say, he said, laughing, my back's as strong as a lion's now. How it used to ache! We were standing at the door of his house, looking north, for we had been talking of our travels, when all at once I caught sight of what looked like a little white tombstone under a eucalyptus tree. Why, what's that? I said. Jack Penny's countenance changed, and there were a couple of tears. In the eyes of the great strong fellow, as he said slowly, "That's to the memory of Jip, 
the best dog as ever lived. I must not end without a word about Jimmy, my father's faithful companion in his botanical trips. Jimmy nearly went mad for joy when I got back from England, dancing about like a child. He was always at the door, black and shining as ever, and there was constantly something to be done. One day he had seen the biggest old man kangaroo as ever was and this time there was a wallaby to be found, another the announcement that the black cockatoos were in the woods, or else it would be, Mas Joe, Mas Joe, Jimmy won't go catch fish very bad, do come a day. And I? Well, I used to go, and it seemed like being a boy again to go on some expedition with my true old companion and friend. Yes, friend, Jimmy was always looked upon as a friend, and long before then my mother would have fed and clothed him, given him anything he asked. But Jimmy was wild and happiest so, and I found him just as he was when I left home, faithful and boyish and winning, and often ready to say, When Mastro ready, go and find him father all over again. End of chapter 42 End of Bunyipland by George Manville Fenn